Hello, this is Kevin McMullen, Senior Pastor of Independence Christian Center. Thanks for joining us as we break the bread of life today. Our prayer is that your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is strengthened by this word. God bless you. We're continuing our series on God's human family. This morning it's entitled, He Who Finds a Wife. Proverbs 18 and 22 from the ESV says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing. Everybody say, good thing. Ladies, speak up. And obtains favor, and that could be translated grace. Grace from the Lord. Now, along those lines, if Adam and Eve had been Cajuns, they would have eaten the snake and, and instead of the apple and saved us a lot of trouble. All right, uh, here's another, let's see, uh, there, there was another one in here that's, uh, oh, it was something about, oh, I just got a present labeled from mom and dad, and I know darn well that dad has absolutely no idea what's inside. Okay. And for those of you who don't want Alexa and Siri listening in on your conversation, they are making a male version of it that won't listen to anything. All right. Yeah. All right. Self-deprecating humor. All right. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. Let's set the Wayback Machine, Sherman, for the garden where Adam has named all of the animals and everything, and God has something new he wants to bring. And let's just, a real quick review. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, again reading from the English Standard. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. In fact, it would be better to, re better to render that. Let us make man as our image, after our likeness, and let them... Everybody say them. Because it's humanity. It's not just Adam. It's humanity. It's Adam in the Hebrew, but it is reference to all of humanity. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. We were, as our race was created, as the image of God, his representative, his agents for the rule and the administration of the earth, his new creation. Adam would be the patriarch, and Eve the matriarch, over the family. The family. This was God's new family. His human family. Adam and Eve would be upper management of his family business. Are we all together? All right. Now I want you to think about this. It's a big job uh, administrating the whole planet. So they're going to need help. So they were given the job of recruiting. They were made procreators. I said, well, how are we going to have, you know, where are we going to get help? Well, you're going to have the help. You're going to have children. And it is mo, no, no small task when you consider how absolutely helpless baby humans are. Baby humans are absolutely, positively unable to do anything for themselves. Uh, I'm not going in there. All right. 
So then there is not, so the, and then after they get to where they can feed themselves, etc., cetera, uh, there is the not so insignificant choice, uh, job of rearing those children because the impact of the family of origin upon children is, it would be difficult to overstate how profound it is because the, the parents are to be mentors, role models, and yes, even heroes. Adam and Eve were to reproduce the mentoring relationship with their children and pass along what they learned from God. Now, in our modern culture, we have seen, particularly here in the West, not so much in uh, the East, but in the West, a, a significant and focused effort to leave God behind. To leave the God of the Bible behind. And they reject and even scorn the scripture in relation to male and female, in relation to family. And that rejection is wrecking havoc on our culture and our nation. And I don't care which rubric, which heading, whether it's in finances, whether it's in government, whether it's in uh, education, whether it's in, in, in industry, wherever, it doesn't matter which heading you choose, the destruction of the family is having a devastating impact on that area. All right. That's why we're teaching this stuff, because you need to know this is absolutely, positively um, the, uh, the, the thing we need to hear today. God is the creator. Yahweh Elohim, the creator God. He is God. He created us. He designed us. He is the one with the authority over on, and he is the authority on how we function best. And it was upon Adam as it is upon all husbands and fathers, to be the spiritual covering over the family. We'll, we'll get to authority, not so much today, but we'll get there. All right, And to be the protector of his wife. And to be a role model for the children. Adam and Eve were to instill in their children values, which will generate ethics. Ethics means character. Uh, when you talk about the ethos of something, that's the Greek word from which we get our word ethics. And it literally means the character. And it's one thing to be an ethical person. In other words, to know what's right and what's wrong. And it's another thing entirely to be a moral person who does what's right. How many of you are with me? Okay. And so the, in, in Genesis chapter, we see the importance of this in Genesis chapter 18. When the three angels appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre, and they had the fellowship meal, and as they were leaving, one of the angels, who was the word made, you know, who eventually would become the word made flesh, the second person of the Godhead, the pre-incarnate Jesus said, shall I ha hide, this is Genesis 18 and 17, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Now why is he even saying that? Because Abraham is the patriarch, he is the new head of the new humanity for now. Until, uh, until, the, uh, until the Messiah comes. Then he goes on to say in verse 18, Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Listen to this. For I have chosen him 
that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of Yahweh by doing righteousness and justice. I have chosen him that he may command his children and household after him to keep the way of Yahweh, to be obedient, to walk in that word, to abide in Yahweh by doing righteousness and justice so that to the end that Yahweh may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Boy, it is quiet in here this morning. So we'll all shout it out. Hallelujah. All right. He makes mention of Abraham being in on the decision. You know, we know what happened next. Abraham said, well, what if there are 50 righteous? Would you spare? And it gets all the way down, you know, and, and, and I believe it had gotten down to one. But we'll never know, will we? Not on this side, all right. Abraham did intercede. We also know that he did command his children and, and that God, you know, to, to walk with Yahweh and to walk with the Lord God, to believe him and to be obedient. And we see that in Isaac. Jacob was a little, little bit less so, all right. But Joseph was a pearl. He was a, or a diamond in all of that. And in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18 we come and we'll we'll back the bus up here because we haven't created Eve yet. I'm just giving you a little bit of an overview. And so here we are in the garden. Adam has named every animal that there is. Now I said this last week, and that is that's a lot of animals. That's a lot of names. And Adam had no problem with it because he was not subject to the limitations mentally, emotionally, physically that we are because of the curse. And I shared with you that, man, when I got to graduate school and I found out that I was behind and that there were things I was expected to know that I didn't, I'm starting to panic. And what the Lord put on my heart was, you, you know, Adam wasn't under the curse. You don't function under the curse. You start claiming that. And I said, Father, I'm not under the curse. I'm not forgetful. I read stuff just like Adam. I read stuff one time, just like Jesus. I read stuff one time and I remember it. And you know what? I graduated with honors. It was work, but I graduated with honors. All right? And so, you know, a friend of mine, there's some people that believe that this is the way you should pray. Father... Help us to remember the answers we have studied and create in us those we have not. <laughs> I actually had a friend. Uh, 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 Glenn Hall was our, our teacher for this, uh, for this course in education. And he asked this friend of mine uh, with whom I had served in the military uh, to pray. And that's what he prayed. <laughs> and everybody br busted up laughing. Dr. Hall was not amused. All right. God doesn't create in us those we have not. We have to, we have to study to show ourselves approved. Everybody say amen. All right. So, in, you know, coming back, to, uh, coming back to Genesis 2 and 18, and I love the new living here. It says, and Yahweh God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Now, we talked about this last week. Eve was not an afterthought. God always had her planned. In fact, in a very real sense, Eve was going to be a present. And she was. You wives, be sure to mention to your husbands that that being the case, you should be treated with even more respect. Hallelujah. You know, 
What do you think of this, Adam? After you've been looking at cows and platypuses and ducks and, and stuff like that, all at once you're looking at the mother of all life, and you're going, oh yeah, 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 you know. Finally, you know, and we'll get to that. And, and so it says, coming down to verse uh, 21 and 22. Um, and so Yahweh God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. He anesthetized him without need of intubation or propofol, like I said last week. And while the man slept, Yahweh took one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. And Yahweh God made a woman from the rib. Where it says made there, we talked about this last week, literally it says built. I would prefer the word crafted. The woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. And the adventure begins. Okay? And so what does Adam say? There's some theological messaging here. All right? In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 23, what does the man say? Adam says this. This is, this is ESV. And then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones. But then he had something. And flesh of my flesh. That's very significant. I love the way the Bible is that if you're not really paying attention, things just go right by you. But we are paying attention. Flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, or isha, because she was taken out of man, or ish. She was, so she'll isha and ish. Now, what happened here? Adam's words intentionally reveal something. Again, this is theological message. Bone of my bone, okay, we get that. But flesh of my flesh, that wasn't mentioned earlier. What, what's happening? Adam either intuitively or by revelation recognized that Eve was more than a modified version or a clone of himself. Women were not, the Eve was not a clone of Adam. Flesh of my flesh has a much broader view of Eve's nature. She was his counterpart. She was his complement. All right? And she got a whole lot more than Adam's physical nature. Genesis 2 and 21 again. It says he caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, Yahweh took one of the man's ribs and closed up. And Adam literally woke up in a different world. And he knew it. Something's different. What happened? Well, while you were sleeping. Amen. And he said, man, you know, it wasn't just his, because, you, you know, the, the word flesh there, particularly when you use it in the Old Testament context, refers to the, to the life force of someone, the nefesh, the soul. And so Eve got part of Adam's mentality. She got part of his soulish parts. And when he woke up, he was incapable. I truly believe Adam was incapable of feeling lonely. 
Because he was made in the image of God. And God is incapable of feeling lonely. God does not need angels. He does not need humans. He doesn't need anybody. He created the angelic host. He created us simply because his nature of love is just so overflowing that it just pleases him to have a family. And to have a council. And to sit and talk with us. What do you think? We see it in the Old Testament. We're in the council. He says, how are we going to handle this? Well, he knows what will work, but he wants to draw the, the board of directors in on it. He wants to draw his family. And so Adam, when he woke up, you know, he, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't all there. Anymore. Something happened. Now Eve didn't just get his physical nature, she also got some of his mentality, his, his soulish nature, and she complimented would be stronger. Now, it's not that either one of them was weak. I don't want you to hear that. But it wasn't that Adam was weaker. No. It wasn't that we, Eve is weak. It was that Eve now had giftings and she sparkled in areas that Adam used to, but he doesn't quite have it like he used to because now it's in his partner. How many of you are with me? All right. And this doesn't mean by any stretch of the imagination that a man, that, I mean, the, you know, we, we hear this all the time, better together. Well, the fact is they were better together. This is a not to say that a woman who is unmarried cannot function and function well. Jesus says that, the, 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 that God will be her husband. Or in the case of a man, God would function you know, uh, as the, the, the counterpart to that individual as well. All right? They would become, but Adam and Eve would become one flesh again. Now, I'm, Carl, I'm going to the board. What I want you to see here is this. I don't want you to think of this as a zero-sum game. In other words, let's just say, here's Adam, and we'll just make it numerical just for, uh, just for, for grins. And so, you're going to love my artwork. Adam's praising, okay? And let's say Adam is, let's just say, all of his mental faculties and everything come up to a 10. All right. Now, over here, we have Eve. Okay. God creates Eve. Now, what God didn't do, you know, we know he took, you know, the, the bone. We also know from what Adam said that he took part of Adam's personality. He took part of, and what, so let's just say, he took from Adam, he took, let's just say, five. All right? So what we don't see now is this, five and five. No, no, no. What we see now is like nine and nine. In other words, though they still complement one another, this was a multiplication, not a subtraction. Eve made the two, the way God created humanity, the, 
the, the woman made the man stronger. And the man made the woman stronger. As awesome as Adam was before God created Eve, with her, he is even more awesome now. The football game is not until two. Okay. <laughs> We're, everybody with me here, all right? It, it's, it's multiplicative. Yes, women have, generally speaking, uh, they're more right brain, more appreciation for beauty, aesthetics, you know, things of that nature, emotions. You know, people say, women are emotional. No, they're develop, more developed emotionally than men. Because, you know, let's just face it, younger men in particular have a tendency to be emotional retards. Well, it is, you know, and selfish. You know, being, being a man myself and having passed through those years, I can say that my wife would probably tell you, at least I hope she would, that I'm a whole lot more sensitive to her needs now than I was when I was 27. All right, and it's a it's a it's a case of development. It's a take case of growing. It's a case of learning. And you know, men are generally that doesn't men are generally better uh, naturally at math. That doesn't mean that women can't be good at math. There are some brilliant female mathematicians, and there are some guys who can who are really good at aesthetics. You know, labels are libels, and I understand all of that, but the fact is, this is the way it tends to track. And we can sit, and uh, the husband and wife can sit at a table talking with two other people, walk away from it, and the husband can say, well, I think things are like this, and the wife look at him and say, didn't you hear the tone of her voice when she said that? Didn't you see the look on his face? Well, no. You know, that's it's it's you almost have to be a trained investigator. She gets those things intuitively, and the guy's going, "Okay, now give me a clue here." All right, you know they talk about how women are from Venus and men are from Mars. There is a difference between us. Does anybody know us? All right, and 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 when I'm doing premarital counseling or I'm doing marital counseling or something like that, I I try to tell them, you know, one the better. The better thing I liked the way it was when, when the guy wrote the book, women are, you know, men are waffles and women are spaghetti. And they're both high in carbohydrates, so don't look at that, okay? That's, that's not an issue. It's that men, we have, the, we have this innate ability to compartmentalize things, hence the waffle. See, when you eat a waffle, if you're like me, you want to make sure you've got butter in every little square, you know. And then you, you, put, the, you, you, you put the diabetic coma on top of that, you know, the syrup and everything. And so we have a tendency when we're in any situation, we can, not all men can do this, just most. You know, we can compartmentalize things, okay, I'm... This is not connected to that. So I'm going to put that over here and I'm going to hold this off at arm's length or I'm going to be dealing with this other stuff. Women are spaghetti. They think more linearly and in a flow. And, you know, it's like whenever you pick up a couple of spaghetti noodles, you always get four or five or six. And so the wife can be talking to the husband about something like this. And all at once, this other spaghetti noodle that was somehow connected comes up and the husband's going, what? Wait, wait a minute, we weren't talking, where, where did this come from? Now in her mind, it's perfectly logical. 
But he's going, so what he has to do is he has to go to this other safe deposit box over here where he put this particular subject and get out something that it may have been two years since we talked about this last. And so, and that's where love covers all this. And see, instead of the husband looking at the wife and going, there, this, you're weird. You know, he goes, okay, there is a connection here. I'm just missing it. All right? And it's okay for the wife to say, to look and say, I know the way you think, and I know you compartmentalized it, you know. And man, I wish I could do that, because that way, you, you know, it's a, it's a little easier to live that way, because you don't have as much stuff weighing on you. Amen. That doesn't mean men are thoughtless. Hallelujah. All right. So the man and the woman would be, look at verse 20. Are you getting anything out of this so far? Everybody's looking at me like a cow in a new game. Okay. Genesis 2 and 24. Because, I, I, you know, I'm going to tell you right now, for the next few weeks, we are going to fly right into the face of a lot of what we're taught in our culture. I'm going to tell you right now, a lot of what is being promoted on Oprah and all the, and all the is going to be a bug on God's windshield because it's not the truth, you know. And so, and, and, and why, you know, if, if you've been told all your life that you can fly and you get up on the top of the building and you get ready to jump off, somebody needs to tell you the truth before you, you, you have an accident, you know. And so it's... Um, and so we're, gonna, we're dealing with the truth. And you're going to see how wide-ranging it, it really is and how off we've gotten and why it's costing. And why is it important for you to know this? Not just so that you can walk it out, but when people come to you broken and devastated, you can begin to heal them and disciple them in the truth. And say, you know, you might want to think about, and, you know, don't beat them over the head with it. Sometimes, you, you know, it's like, you know, little children... Uh, and don't eat solid food right away. You feed them stuff that's been pureed, right? Okay, so we can puree the truth a little just to help them. You might say, well, why don't you just tell them the whole thing? Because they'll choke. You know, let's, you know we'll feed them, but we'll do it, you know, as the Lord, as the Lord would lead, all right? And so, the, you know, it says here in Genesis 2 and 24. This is before the law. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast, cling, cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And the man and woman, and his man and his wife, and it specifically calls her wife because they were married, uh, done by God, his wife were both naked and unashamed. All right? He would leave his father and mother. In other words, we're starting a new family unit. We're still under a patriarchy, but it does have a tendency to minimize in-law trouble. All right? And so we, we see thus the forming of another household unit bonded, each the male bonded to the female, the female bonded to the male in covenant, in commitment, in agreement. And since marriage was instituted clearly by God Himself, that makes sacrament a means of grace. And that is not 
without some merit, to be honest. All right? Relationship is therefore established upon love and When Kathy and I walked down that aisle, well, when she walked down that aisle, I was already up there waiting on her. It was a very traditional wedding. And she's coming down the aisle. Uh, her father passed when she was uh, four. So my Uncle Buddy, you've heard me refer to Uncle Buddy, uh, gave her away and came up and, and, and handed her to me. And then we took vows. And our vows were relatively, uh, you know, uh, traditional. You know, forsaking all others, cleaving only to one another. Um, you, know, in, you know, for richer, for poorer, for, uh, in sickness and health, you know, good times, bad times, you know, all that kind of stuff. And we made that pledge to each other. We're standing, my, my pastor uh, didn't use I do. He used I will. If you will, you answer I will, you know. And so he's reading the guy. We've been through this. We know what he's going to say. And he's talking to me. And I, all at once, he, I know he's coming to the place where I'm going to have to answer I will. Now, I don't have any problem answering I will. But I feel something in my throat. And I am scared spitless that what I'm going to do is I'm going to go, I will. <laughs> and I don't want to do that. You know, even though the, I, I don't, do we have an audio recording of that? I don't remember. This was because, this was way before cell phones and all that kind of stuff, you know. And so, remember what I did? Sure she does, you know. So he goes, if you do, if you will, you answer, I will. And I went, I will. <laughs> I was trying, I didn't want my voice to crack. All that was missing was, uh -huh. <laughs> You just see the look on her face. <laughs> the pastor guy, he just plowed right ahead. I'm sure he's seen weirder stuff than that. All right. And we committed to one another. And we tied the knot, if you want to call it that, whatever. We we, we formed a contract. It was, and that's all a covenant was in the Old Testament. You're talking about a covenantal marriage or whatever. It's a contract. All right? We made promises to one another. We made vows to one another. All right? And Jesus affirms that in Mark chapter 10 and verses 6 through 9 when he says, But from the beginning of creation, so the word himself, who, by the way, officiated at that wedding... God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. They are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. So it is sacred. The marriage bond is sacred in the eyes of God. Now, we live in a land where well over half of the marriages end in divorce. Many within the sound of my voice have been divorced. And they say, well, I mean, does that mean? No. Divorce is not the unpardonable sin. And everybody said amen. amen. 
And so, you know, don't, you know, if, if, if you've been released from a husband or you've been released from a wife and you've been remarried or whatever like that, God's perfect will starts for you right where you are right now. You know, one of my professors in seminary who was a Methodist and just one of the neatest people I've ever met in my life used to say, when you pray and you say, God, what is your will for me? Do you want me to go to New York or Los Angeles? And the Lord says, New York, and then you go to L.A. You know, and after a couple of years there, you realize you missed it. You know, he said, what you need to do now is not just pull up stakes and go to New York because God's will for you may be different now because of the intervening circumstances. God's will for you, perfect will for you, begins right where you are. Hallelujah. Man, that should set somebody free. All right. Okay. And so Jesus affirms this. And that's what it says over in Proverbs 18 and 22. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from Yahweh. Calf, come here. Here comes my present. All right. Now, let's read that scripture again. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. So I am to forever view her as a good thing, as a gift, all right? But going back to what we were saying up here about the multiplicative, the word translated favor, and I made reference to this a moment ago, the word translated favor, in, particularly in the Septuagint, they translate it charis, it is grace, what is the grace of God? A lot of people will say, well, it's the forgiveness of God. Well, that's a very tiny part of it. The grace of God is the power of God that comes to us to enable us to do what we could not do in and of ourselves. Whether it's overcoming in the area of temptation or it's building whatever personal ministry we might have or whatever it is. And God will help us in a marriage too. That grace will come. And so, in other words, God's, it says, he who finds a a wife finds a good thing and obtains grace. Kathy coming alongside of me made me better because she brings gifts to the table that I don't have. Are you with me? And so I... If I'm a smart man, we'll listen to her. May not always agree with her. Okay, no may about that. We don't always agree. But she's a, she understands that I'm always right. <laughs> or not. Hey, spaghetti. So, uh, it, it, I want you to, to see that. That God made us that. Thanks, sweetheart. That, that, that's the way God made It's a partnership. Based upon love and trust. Being faithful to one another. Which is why the enemy works so hard to get in and just blow it up. All right, Looking out for one another. She should always know that I have her back. I should always know that she has my back. And that the two of us to the kids present a unified front. Because children have a little bit of devil in them. Now, by the, you know, I'm, I mean that figuratively, not, not spiritually, literally, okay? And that is, they will try to play one parent off of the other. Divide and conquer is their military strategy. 
you know. And it's like you could hear two of the kids talking to each other. You know, we need to get permission to do this. Well, let's go to dad because mom will never say yes. You know, but then they go to they go to dad and dad says, go ask your mother. (laughs) Hallelujah. All right. The marital partnership. They're a team, a unit, a, uh, a, a unified front. Amen. The relationship between the, 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 the man and the, the, the woman, the husband and the wife, is not automatic. Wouldn't that be wonderful? We're just, we say, I do. Click. Everything, everything is awesome. No. The one flesh part is easy. That's the part that all the guys are really looking forward to. But the one soul to become one mind, eh, that's a little bit more work. You see, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17, he who is joined to the Lord becomes one what? Spirit with him. The husband and wife do not become one spirit. They become one flesh. We become one spirit with the Lord when we are born again. You know, we talk, you know, you have these things, you know, is the husband the head of the household? Biblically speaking, the answer is yes. But that does not give him the right to lord it over her or to order her to do things that are immoral or illegal. All right? Or fattening. Immoral, illegal, or fattening, right? Okay. And why? Because her head spiritually is Christ. Just as his is. And one thing that would really help men to realize is that God is not only their father, he is also their father-in-law. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, we'll go back to the board. And we'll, we'll do a little... I know you're really sorry to see my artwork go. Somebody wanted to come up here and take a picture of it with their cell phone so that they could sell it on eBay. All right. Men are waffles. Women are spaghetti. Up here, this is the theta, this is God. And there is distance between us because of our creation. Are you with me? All right. Now, we're all, we're both one spirit with him, one flesh, fine. But has anybody ever known a couple that, yeah, they had a good intimate life, but they fought like cats and dogs? And that isn't the will of God either. So how do we get to where we are one soul? We are one mind with one another. Well, what does the scripture tell us about with the, you know, when we're one spirit with God? How do we become one mind? We have the mind of Christ, right? Stut, you know, what does it say in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. And I put that in the middle voice. Transform yourselves in your own interest by the what? renewing of your mind so as the husband 
becomes more Christ-minded and the wife becomes more Christ-minded. <gasps> Look what happens. The distance, what? Shrinks. And the more like Jesus we become, the more we think like each other because we're thinking his thoughts, not our thoughts. Does that help anybody? All right. It's a challenge. Now, we haven't gotten to the fall, which is what created this need. We have, you know, we're, it, I'm telling you, the fall where they sinned by eating whatever the fruit was, was a catastrophe of un, unimaginable proportions. We're seeing it play out around us each and every day. And that's where the family really started getting roughed up. And we see it in Western culture where we not, we, we not only say it's a good thing to kill unborn children, it will bring you joy. Oh, they say that. I mean, that's what it is. It's, you know, and I'm here to tell you that is calling evil good and good evil. And it is toxic beyond, and we're, as I said, we're seeing it. As we become more like him, and we begin to think his thoughts after him. It makes the distance, whatever there might have been, between us shrink. If our musicians would come. Further, you know, we, how many of you have heard this? Oh, we're just soulmates. You ever heard that? Oh, she's my soulmate or he's my soulmate. We are soulmates. You know... Somebody says, oh gosh, I wish I had that kind of a relationship. Well, you can. You absolutely can. I still, after we've been married, you know, Kathy and I have been married 48, can't let's see, it'll be 50 years in uh, six. So we've been married 47 years. Next month we'll have our, let's see, 48th wedding anniversary. All right. And believe me, I'm doing the math up here real fast because I had better get it right. <laughs> and so, 48, for, we'll have been married 48 years. And I, I hope she feels the same way, but I feel like our relationship is way better today than it was 20 years ago. And way, way, way better than it was 40 years ago. In fact... That's the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to get better as it goes. That's one of the things you, you, you hate to see. You know, it's like you see in movies, old married couples are represented as bickering and constantly pecking at each other and stuff like that. That's not the way it's supposed to be. That's the enemy's idea. And they answered him not a word. Okay. Uh you know, we're, it's supposed to get better. Everybody say amen. We grow closer to the Lord. We grow closer to one another. And it's, you know, it, it comes to the place that, and don't do this, you know, where you could finish her sentence and she could finish yours. But as I said, don't do that. Let her finish it. <laughs> Ask me how I know that. Okay. And so in our thinking, our feeling. And our choosing. And it strengthens that bond. Now, I will close with this. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 19. And I realize this was spoken within the context of a, of a, of the, of a church. 
setting, a group of, of, of uh, disciples meeting together. Yet I think it's applicable. Jesus said, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they may ask, it will be done for them by the Father, my Father in heaven. What, you know, a lot of people say, well, if a husband and wife agree, that's not the same thing. Let me tell you something. There is every bit as much power in a husband and wife agreeing as there is in any other two random believers. I don't care who they are. Everybody say amen. God, why? Because he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains grace. And you know what? You can flip that around. She who finds a husband finds a good thing and obtains grace from the Lord. You know, it's, it's become popular in our culture to lampoon men and make them the idiots of the family and that the wife is the only thing keeping the family afloat. That's, that's demonic. It's funny, but it's demonic. All right? We are partners in this thing. Everybody say amen. And God has created a, 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 an awesome and wonderful union here that as we walk together, we see the power of God manifest because we are in agreement, we are in faith, and we are in Him. Amen. Let's all stand. Those of you watching by web, I want to encourage you. If you do not know Jesus of Nazareth as your Lord and Savior, do not wait another minute to do so, to accept Him. Because the grace of God, you know, it says in, in Jesus said over in the Gospel of John, he, and in 1 John, He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son, the S-O-N, does not have the life, but the wrath of God abides on Him. I don't want to see anybody. God's drawing all men to Him through Jesus, and I don't want to see anyone go to hell. And yes, there is a very real and literal hell. Jesus talked about it more than anyone else in the New Testament. And the way you do that, the way you get, you change your destiny and change your life is to, to admit you can't do it and to say, Lord, I repent. That's another way of saying, I surrender. Lord, Father God, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe you raised him from the dead. Lord Jesus, I surrender. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I surrender to you, Lord. Scripture says you will be born again to a living hope. And that the Father will transfer you out from under the dominion, from the boot of darkness and un into the kingdom of His beloved Son. Believer, present yourself as an offering. And believe God to heal all of your fractured relationships. Know that that is His will. That is His desire. And this world in which we live, as things get more and more chaotic, we need to hang on to each other more than we ever have before. And that's why God created the family. Both spiritual and physical. Amen. We hope this message has been a great blessing to you and has helped build your faith in Jesus. We encourage you to visit our app, Independence Christian Center, on your cell phone available from the Apple App Store or Android, Google Play. You can also find us on Apple TV, Roku, 
Amazon, YouTube, and Facebook, again, under Independence Christian Center, or at our website, iccfamily.org, iccfamily.org. Our heart's desire here is to labor with the Lord in building His body. Until next time, may God's very best be yours.